0: welcome back to another episode of football chance and rants with the plants we are back with myself
1: lauren and me graham
0: and it's good to be back dad i can confirm we're officially in our third season how crazy is that
1: very good yeah looking forward to it
0: yeah it's been nice we've had the summer off i know obviously football certainly hasn't stopped i suppose we're not going to talk too much about the euros but overall you happy with how we did
1: uh, Should have won, but uh, yeah, it was a better performance and a bit more, um, you know, looked like a decent squad and uh, yeah, should have won it really, but uh, not bad finishing in second.
0: Exactly. Do we think football's coming home in the, is it the World Cup next?
1: Uh, Well, they've got a chance, but I think once you add in the South American teams, it gets a bit different, doesn't it? But uh, no, they've got a chance, yeah.
0: So we are back, like I said, with our third season. And we thought we'd just mix things up a little bit, do a little bit of a different format now for the podcast itself. So it is very much in the format of a football match itself. So we're going to have a lineup quickly roughly tell you what's coming up in the podcast, as well as a warm-up where we discuss something each, we choose a topic. Then we have a kickoff, which is kind of like our little rant section as well as a little half-time talk, second half to the podcast. Also, new feature called Plants Chant, which I'm very excited about. Final Whistle, where we round up the top four leagues this week. And, of course, we are going to continue with our Barnet of the Week. So, the lineup for the episode, I'm going to be discussing a little bit about the welcoming of fans back, as well as our new feature, Plants Chant.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be having a bit of a rant, as usual. I like to do the old rant, something... Um I'm sure it's a subject I've ranted about before and I'm going to be talking about my live experience at a football match.
0: So for our warm-up this is our first new feature in the podcast, warm-up. We just have a little warm-up conversation so we don't get too heated, Dad, because I know sometimes we can get pretty heated with our football chat and um, my warm-up conversation this week is just a very positive note about the fact that fans are now back in stadiums full capacity. I think we might be one of the only leagues actually in Europe that have gone straight back into full capacity and And already I did a bit of statistics for us. I looked at the opening Saturday last season, which admittedly was kind of a bit of an awkward with the whole COVID and the season itself Um, in comparison to this season. And overall, most of the leagues have seen an increase in goals for the first Saturday. Back, there was more, six more goals in the championship, five more goals in League One. Premier League, it was a bit awkward to try and work out, but there was 25 goals this Saturday, which is brilliant. And League Two, actually, surprisingly, was one less goal. How are you feeling about fans being back? You personally have actually been back, haven't you?
1: Yeah, well, I to managed to get to Ewood Park last week. To uh, I mean, Blackburn hadn't won for 11 seasons in the first match, so... Oh, really? It was quite a shocker to actually go there and see them win. So Swansea, under a new manager, playing a new system, didn't really work for them. They didn't work at all with really, this, so Blackburn capitalised on that and won 2-1. 10,000 was disappointing crowd, but uh, made plenty of noise and... Good I atmosphere. Think, oh, it was fantastic. I think yeah, just a great atmosphere. I think that whole thing of people not being able to sit with the mates for eighteen months or whatever, so a lot of people and there'd be people that a a very uh, moving tribute at the start of the match to those who'd um, passed away from Covid Blackburn mm. fans, Swansea fans. So yeah, it's very poignant event getting back to football and um, that was brilliant and it's all uh, made even better with a little win so yeah but fantastic to get back into the grounds with a great atmosphere
0: definitely in particular I'm thinking about the Premier League but you can talk about any teams in particular Um, which teams will have more of a positive impact the fans being back
1: uh well, looking at yesterday's results, Man United seem to be uh, yeah. straight in, no problem. So I think anybody who's got a big, a big partisan crowd. I mean, Blackburn are at Millwall, yes, in one one, pretty dull. But uh, imagine Millwall West Ham when they get at home. So yeah, I mean, I think most home fans will give it a go won't they
0: yeah interestingly talking of the opposite side the away wins increased from 30% wins with fan last season to 40% wins with fan last season again can you see there being that not being the case this season now that fans will be back in so will the away teams have will it be tougher for away teams basically
1: Uh, I think yeah it's it's the only reason you would imagine why it changed last season so you've got to imagine it'll change back again
0: Okay, so we're going to go for a kickoff now. So this is really kind of a bit of a rant where we have more of a debate now about what's gone on. And I've gone for a topic that it it's a bit of a tricky one, I think, to maybe touch on so much. But after the success of the Euros and, you know, England got through to the final and I think English football has been doing so, so well. And I've just been noticing more and more that Wolves as a football club The lack of British players in their squad is something that I probably find just not necessarily worrying, but just a little bit disappointing that when I think of English talent coming through, you think a lot about obviously Man U and Chelsea, um, City, obviously how much paid for Grealish. And then I was looking at the first team squad for Wolves and the 26-man squad. Only four English players are in their 26-man squad. So. Conor Cody's really the only one that starts. Obviously, Gibbs White, Ruddy, the goalkeeper, and Kilman as well. And obviously, I know that there's a lot of Portuguese influence within Wolves. Obviously, their manager, Bruno Larg he's, Port- he's Portuguese. Even their goalkeeper that's just come in, he's Portuguese. They've got eight Portuguese players, but overall, really, really diverse squad and a really good squad. But I suppose, for me, I find it quite disappointing that I'm not getting excited from an English perspective or a British perspective, I should say, that they don't have more on their in their squad where do you sit with that
1: yeah no I, I I agree I think it's uh I think the nature of the English league it's you know the Premier League sport are one of the best leagues in the world and I think a number of home players get it so I think you know if you've got a uh, mostly squad of non sort of Brits it's gonna maybe change that profile a bit
0: Talking of British players, who would be... If you were to pick three British players across, it could be any league, um, that you're most excited to watch this season, who would you go for?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I have to have a think about that. Top three players for this season. I a Adam Armstrong at Southampton would be interesting yeah. to see he scored in his uh, debut. debut in the Premier League. So that was interesting. Um, I think there's people like Bowen at West Ham who... Um, always looked lively in his first or second season last season. There's people like Bowen who's um, good. You've got uh, Cresswell, defender for West Ham. Yeah. I have just watched that match. Foden. Uh, uh, Foden, yeah. I think with Grealish there, I think he might have another season of in and out really, probably Foden. I did think they'd get him in there and leave him in there, but I think Grealish arriving and keeping the rest of the talent, he'd probably be in and out. And I guess Greenwood's another one, um, United. I think Greenwood's super talented. Rashford's out injured, so I think Greenwood's going to get a start. And, uh mm-hmm. He should be excited as well, I think.
0: So that's my kickoff subject. What about you?
1: Oh, mine's. A, I think I've done this on a number of occasions. It's about Arsenal, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mikel Arteta. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised he's still in in the job, but he's got season three. He needs to start pretty quick, otherwise um, they might lose their patience with him. I think it's brilliant on the positive to see Brentford back in the top division after seventy four years. Full house. Sixteen thousand in uh, the new ground. I mean, it's so exciting. The fans in tears. I mean, just a wonderful, wonderful story. Obviously, very passionate. Obviously, wanted to win more than Arsenal and some great performances. David Raya kept a clean sheet. Superb. Ivan Toney put a shift in. Uh, he but looks just, decent, doesn't oh, he, Yeah, He is a great. Yeah, I think, like Armstrong, I think those two high scorers from the lower leagues, I think they'll do really well, actually. Uh, but Arsenal, same old Arsenal, really. I mean, who'll lead the line? Who's... You know, you've got you used to have Ian Wright up front, uh, leading the line. You had the likes of Vieira dominating midfield. Yeah, Tony Adams at the back. Uh, you know, all you could name a dozen players who were leaders in the Arsenal team from years gone by, and you just can't name one. I don't think Xhaka doesn't come. You know, he doesn't step up. T and
0: which is weird because he steps up for Switzerland. He played very well in the Euros.
1: Yeah, so Smith Rowe's got a bit about him, but he's not a leader. T and he's got a bit about him, but he tends to. You know, don't get up the pitch much, really. So they need a, They just need one or two players to dominate, and it's just not happening. So um, signed people, but they've not signed anybody that's going to take up that role. And I just can't understand why Arteta can't see. You know, every time they do this, every time they put a performance like that in, everybody, pundits, fans says the same things. Yeah, isn't get, it? Get a leader. I mean, it's daft, really.
0: But it's going to be hard to attract any big names when they're not even in the Europa League.
1: Well, it is, but uh, I mean, they've spent quite a lot of money and Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they're going to get back to being successful, but uh, they'll they'll pay well, I'm sure. So it's just, I just don't understand why, even if it's somebody towards the end of their career, they just need somebody to sit in that midfield or sit in the back four who's going to start to shake things up a bit, but it's really poor actually.
0: Where do you think they're going to finish in the table if you had to call it right now?
1: Uh, Just about top 10, but uh, I don't think they'll get in Europe again based on the likes of West Ham. Straight away coming in with a good performance, and uh leads will come back from their defeat, so yeah I think there's some there's teams with far more fight and far more uh, edge about them.
0: So we've had a warm-up, we've had a kick-off, and now we're going to have our half-time. So this is where we each highlight one team from the fixtures across the weekend that we think had the best half-time turnover, so the best performance from half-time. So I've gone for, there's quite a lot in the Premier League, quite a lot of comebacks from half-time, but I've gone for Brighton at Turf Moor, obviously, versus Burnley, 1-0 down at half-time, so they were losing after a second-minute goal against Tarkovsky, arguably... Burnley really could have put the match away in the first half. They could have had a couple more opportunities. However... Graham Potter, who, I don't know if you've seen Dad, he's now sporting a lovely beard. Um, He obviously did something brilliant. He had a brilliant team talk at half-time and he made some huge substitutions. This is why I think I've tipped them over West Ham for this feature this week. Because in the 72nd minute, he brought on Moda, who assisted for Mope. And in the 76th minute, he brought in McAllister, who scored the winner. So, two of his substitutes had a huge impact and he gave the 1,300 away fans uh, something to cheer about so they're getting my half time turnover this week Brighton at Turf
1: Mall I'm not sh- quite sure I read the brief right but I've gone for um a great second half performance no nil, nil at time actually it was a yeah uh, managers um, sort of um, a, a re revisit but not quite the same so Ferguson of the Darren version so Ferguson playing against Rooney in terms of managers Peterborough versus Derby so Peterborough fresh into the division and uh, looking to um, looking to do well in Derby. Struggled terribly last year, obviously a bit of uh, strange press around Rooney, but nil-nil at half-time, nothing much happened. Derby scored in the 77th minute, Jack Stritton, uh, and you think, here we go, that's going to be Derby getting back, uh, getting back on form. But Peterborough, a couple of substitutions, 19-year-old Harrison Burroughs came on and scored in the 91st minute. You thought, well, brilliant, they managed to grab themselves a well-deserved draw, but then in the 101st minute... Another substitute, Siriki Dembele, scored the winner. Uh, so incredible, really, Yeah, going from um, 0-0 and 1-0 down in the 91st minute to winning 2-1. So yeah, that's a, a good, half-time good half-time turnaround. Good half-time turnaround and great uh, management by uh, the other Ferguson, Darren, against Rooney, who, um, well, he needs to get some wins, that's for sure
0: second half now so I've gone for my little conversation it's going to be about the positive start for VAR on the whole I know we talk about VAR a lot but actually it's been really good to see that they've been cracking down on soft penalties and trivial free kicks um, after a record 125 penalties in the Premier League last season which is just nuts even think about it like that and So the main rules that they've brought in now are the fact that offsides, they've got thicker lines in place. You're not going to be seeing armpit offsides. sides um, for example I think it was Vardy's goal probably last season wouldn't have stood and they would have got all these lines out but now they've got thicker lines and it's just got to be very clear and obvious offside accidental handballs by players in the build up to a goal that's only disallowed now if it's the actual goal scorer who accidentally handballs it whereas sometimes they'll go back to like the sixth person before the goal and it would have been a handball and that would have been ruled out so overall it seems I know it's only been week one in the Premier League, of course, it seems to have tightened things up a little bit. VR. It was always going to be the kind of thing where it was eventually going to find its feet. But overall, it seems to be having a positive impact. Is this also going to have a good impact on the fans now that it's full capacity? I think VR, obviously, two seasons ago is quite frustrating. Do you think this is going to be a positive thing, what they've put in place in terms of fans not getting too twitchy and edgy as well?
1: Definitely, definitely the right way forward.
0: So, hopefully, less awkward offsides and just some less, you know, less VAR, which is always nice, but even though I've, I've spent a good couple of minutes talking about it.
1: Uh, my second half uh, rave is around Sutton United, actually. So, great to see uh, the National League represented by Sutton United, first time in the league. Uh, they lost their first game 2-1 at Forest Green Rovers last week. Had another away game to face at Salford, who were clear favourites for promotion. Uh, but they managed to... Uh, Hold on for a nil-nil draw. They had thirty-three possession percent possession, um, only three shots on target in the game. But um, well done to Sutton United in the league and already drawing against the favourites for promotion. And of course, can't go without mentioning um, a bit of a rant, which is Aaron Simpson. Not a rant about him, but Love Island. All oh, the, all the way, hello! All the, way, all the way from Sutton United, <laughs> whatever Love Island is, I don't know. Hello. I did, he wasn't in the fixed He wasn't playing yesterday, so whether. Yeah. He's not playing because he's... still he's over there. That just sounds ridiculous.
0: He's still getting texts and everything on Love Island.
1: Well, that sounds absolutely <laughs> They've had a so few a,
0: footballers in there, actually. So
1: it's a rave that turns <laughs> into a rant. So there you go. Aaron Simpson. But yeah, Sutton United, well done and welcome to the league.
0: OK, this is a new feature where I put my skills to the test and dad you can just sit back and be a bit of a Simon Cowell on this one so now that the fans are back in the stadiums and obviously our title football chants and rants with the plants we rant a lot we don't really mention chants that much apart from the lovely background noise that we have within the features so I am now going to put forward each week a new chant that we then put on social media and see what the fans of the chant of the chant I've made up think about it so this week my chant is, it's an absolute tune that I'm going to be using the chant from. Got to number five in the UK Singles Chart in 1982 and it's by Madness. You've seen them quite a few times, right?
1: Yeah, Madness said definitely. Yeah. Very good
0: life. So I've gone for my chant this week. It's going to be Ward Prowse in the style of Madness's song, which is Our House. So dad, I'm going to imagine that I'm a foot we've got to imagine that this is a football crowd and it's not just me. Okay, I'm going to try and be like a rowdy person in the crowd. Okay. So it's going to be War Prowse in the middle of our pitch. War Prowse doesn't even get a stitch. War Prowse, he takes every dead ball, War Prowse, and scores over the wall.
1: Simon Cow, what are you saying? Well, I think that's very good. I mean, you've had about a year to think it up. (laughs) so I think um, no I'm sure there'll be worse ones oh no that is probably come. my best one that might be the best one it's the best one so far no it's very good actually I'd, I'd give that probably 7 out of 10 okay would very it be good.
0: memorable enough for the fans yeah
1: I think the fans would sing that I think the uh, Southampton fans have not got much to sing about perhaps they're favourites for relegation, so they need <laughs> that's to that's true but he's, uh, no, he's good and recognising one of England's top Players actually.
0: Okay, fair enough. And Madness as a band, the only thing is they're not actually from Southampton. I'm pretty sure they're from London and support Chelsea.
1: Well, it's down south in it. Yeah, that's great. true,
0: exactly. <laughs> Okay, final whistle time. This is where we do a very quick roundup across the four leagues this week is the Premier League, Championship, League One and League Two, basically just going through the top and bottoms of the table. Premier League, as we've already mentioned, some winning starts for some of the big teams. Manchester United, obviously, with their convincing win over Leeds, as well as Chelsea with another convincing win against Norwich. Liverpool also started off the season with a great win, as well as Tottenham who put all the Harry Kane debacle behind them and had a great victory against Manchester City 1-0. So that leaves the top of the table at the moment. Man U top with Chelsea, Liverpool, West Ham and of course several other teams won their first match also at the top of the table. And then looking down towards the bottom, of course, Arsenal having lost against Brentford as well as other teams down there. You've got Palace, Norwich City and Leeds United.
1: Yes, yeah, a championship, a couple of uh, cracking matches, a couple of cracking away wins. Uh, Fulham won 5-1 at Huddersfield. Mario Silva's first match, what a brilliant win for them. So um, Bobby de Cordova, Reed, three assists. Uh, Mitrovic, Cavalero uh, and a hat-trick Cavalero got a hat-trick in the last 12 minutes of the match actually, what a performance that was Wilson sent off for Huddersfield sorry, Wilson sent off for Fulham so they had a player sent off and still won 5-1 so an absolutely brilliant result for them and not so good for Carlos Cabrera at Huddersfield Uh, Hull City nil. Hull started with a brilliant win at Preston but they got hammered 3-0 at home to QPR QPR, interesting, one of the favourites for promotion this year actually uh, willick Dykes and Dickey scored, Hull had a red card, 71st minute, Moncure, uh QPR unbeaten. So uh, the fourth straight championship win uh, away for Mark Warburton's QPR. So the table, early days but the tables looking like top Fulham and QPR, there's 10 teams on four points. Interestingly, after two matches, nobody's won both matches, which uh, seems a real surprise actually. But 10 teams who've drawn one and won one, including Blackman, of course. But Fulham, top on goal difference and QPR, second on goal difference. And down the bottom, you've got two, only two teams who've not won a match. Uh, Knott's Forest and Preston, both uh, marooned at the bottom on no points. Preston, bottom, uh, because they've got a minus four goal difference. So, again, Preston, not sure what they're going to do. A bit like Blackburn, I'm not what they're going to do. I'm not quite sure. But Preston and Knott's Forest marooned at the bottom.
0: In League 1, looking at the teams that got relegated from the Championship last year, and obviously therefore, favourites go straight back up. Wickham Wanderers have had a great start to the season so far. They won again 3-1 at Cheltenham, so that's back-to-back wins, which takes them top of the league. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday has got relegated. They won 2-0 at home versus Doncaster. Not the best start for Rotherham after they lost 1-0 on Saturday at Wigan after a 95th minute winner from Will Keane, so a big three points obviously for Wigan, but a shame for Rotherham who nearly saw it out and uh, newly promoted Cheltenham Cambridge and Bolton all yet to win so they've all um, lost and drawn one so far Morecambe on the other hand who moved up from League 2 last season uh, undefeated so far after a good 2-0 win at home to Shrewsbury so at the moment the top two both having won are Wickham Wanderers and Portsmouth and then looking down at the bottom of the table the bottom four at the moment yet to win Crew Alexandra Fleetwood Doncaster and Shrewsbury
1: uh, early days, but League 2, two matches to highlight, um, Bristol Rovers, Stevenage, Stevenage were probably one of the ones you'd think, well certainly last year they were tipped for relegation, but they had a good back end actually, and uh, had a good finish to the season, 7,000 fans at Bristol, which would have been brilliant actually, but uh, only three shots on target, it's not the best match, and two late goals from Stevenage, Lions against his old club in the 18th minute and Reeves in the 96th minute, so a good win for Stevenage, 2-0 at Bristol, and then another one of our South West teams, Exeter, off to a tough start. Actually, got beat 3 0 at Leighton Orient. 11 shots on target, quite an exciting game. 2 0 down at half time. Extra the player sent off in the 74th minute grounds. Uh, Matt J missed a penalty. He was quite prolific last season. Archibald made it 3 0 in the second half. So, yeah, disappointing really for Exeter. Bit of a tough start, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. Uh, so, top four, unlike the uh, championship, there are teams who've won all the matches. Four teams have won all the matches. Forest Green at top by way of goal difference. Stevenage is mentioned then. Uh, Mansfield and Northampton are all on uh, six points. And then you've got four teams at the bottom who haven't managed to get a point yet Crawley, Oldham, who you tip for relegation, I think. Bristol Rovers, surprisingly, and Walsall. <laughs>
0: so we're going to have our Barnet of the Week, one of our features that we've carried on throughout all the seasons. And this is an opportunity for us to have a look at some beautiful or well, very eccentric hairstyles that we seem to always get in football. Go on, Dad. Who's your first Barnet of the Week of Series 3 or Season 3, I should say?
1: Well, it's definitely uh, in recognition of a brilliant performance by his team and a brilliant hairdo, Thomas Frank. oh yeah. Brentford manager who's uh, got the flowing locks of a... Superstar and uh, he had a team of superstars on Friday uh, fantastic performance, fantastic airstyles so bonnet of the week from me Thomas Frank brilliant. I-
0: Love it. He's got a great barnet, to be fair. And my barnet, so like I said, we had a break over the summer. I know people have spoken about it a lot, but I'm going to go back to the trend of the summer that basically went viral, which was Phil Foden dyeing his hair blonde to emulate Paul Gascoigne's Euros 96 barnet. And it's all snowballed from there, really. We've got Phil Foden almost to blame. I looked at the Beckham family. David Beckham even went back to the bleach blonde look as well as his son Romeo, and the recent players I watched from the Premier League that have done it, Jorginho, he's gone bright blonde, Richarlison from Everton, as well as Oxlade-Chamberlain. So I am think I'm just going to go back to the barn of the week, just being Phil Foden in general for, for starting this new trend and for the other players just continuing on that trend. Where do you sit with the, uh, the bleach blonde look? Do you like it?
1: I'm not doing it. <laughs>
0: no, oh God, yeah, you wouldn't suit it at all. right that's it this week for football chants and rants with the plants we've had new features we've had the individual plant chant as well as of course our barnet of the week we will be back with some more football chants and rants with the plants don't forget obviously we're a weekly episode every monday you can follow us on twitter just search at football chants and rants with the plants so we're back next week and we'll see you then